everything we know about the Christian life is in this book. This is the final authority. You've heard me say it, and I will continue to say it. Other people have written nice books, and that's good. They help us. But when it comes down to it, it's what's written in this book. And from Genesis to Revelation, the theme of the book is redemption. It's from, from day one, you know, the Lord gave us the human family and it was redeeming. After the garden, the fall in the garden, it's all about redemption. Everything we do in this church needs to point people to Jesus. If we're not doing that, we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. So everything we do is in the Scripture. Now, sometimes we, we go off on a tangent. <laughs> sometimes well-meaning sweet people run off on, on a tangent and they start getting dogmatic about some things that the Scripture doesn't talk about. I'm just going to mention one. We all know that the Lord said He would return. And we know that He will return. Now, when it will be returned is a subject of great debate. It's not as bad today as it was years ago when we were coming up. And we talk about the rapture of the church. The rapture is, is a churchy word. It's not in Scripture. A catching away of the saints. And they're talking about uh, when is this going to happen? We don't know when it's going to happen. And the bottom line is it doesn't matter. So people get all torqued out sometimes about those type things. We need to be careful. We need to be careful that we take the Scripture as it says and not anything more. Uh, Art and I will never teach you something that's untrue. Uh, we're very... We're very, very uh, aware of our role up here as teachers. And we want to we present the truth. Another thing we try to always do, a few times we slip up, we use people, I, I, you've heard me say this, I've never had an original thought, uh, but I use everything I can get from everybody else. And I want to give them credit. And so that's, uh, we want to be faithful to do that. And so that's where we are. <clears throat> on our website, that's 4G's website, which is now on the church's website under sermons and podcasts. Art posted <clears throat> um, Dr. Wiersbe's uh, comment about, <clears throat> about Ephesians 2. We want to start there just a minute. Uh, I don't know that you've seen it, but I've printed it off for you. Let's look at it just a minute, and then we'll get into Ephesians uh, 3. In Ephesians 2, uh, Paul starts off and he says, In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. Verse 4, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us. Verse 5, for by grace you have been saved. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of the results of works, 
so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Verse 12. Remember that you were at times separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without, without God in this world. Paul, we're going to see in just a minute, and we're going to go back to Acts and see some things how Paul came forward. But we've talked about this thing of Jew and Gentile, circumcision and non-circumcision. And the dividing line is the cross. It always is and always has been. The cross divides today. People talk about God, but when they start talking about Jesus, that's another cup of tea. <clears throat> so, we have here, and at the center of everything we do, is the cross. Prior to the cross, prior to the cross, we, have, we had a time which we called the law. At that, that time, you, did, you were Jews. That's God came to the Jews. Uh, somebody turn to Matthew, uh, the 6th chapter, the 10th verse, right quick. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, what I do with my sheep. It's terrible when I lay this. <clears throat> Matthew 10, 1 through 16. I said 6, then. Matthew 10, 1 through 6. Somebody read that. Anybody? You can skip those if you want to. Jesus is telling the disciples, don't go here, because why? He hadn't, he hadn't died yet. But go to the Jews, the house, the lost house of Israel. That's where he was. This is the law. There's a lot of things we can say about the law. But Paul, when he was writing to the Ephesians here in verse 11 and as Dr. Weirstein has so aptly put on this piece of paper that, that uh, Art posted he, he says uh, the one word that best describes the Gentiles is without now he's not talking he's not talking about he's not talking about this group of people here which is on this side of the cross <clears throat> what we call this the age of grace or the church what's the difference between this side of the cross and this side of the cross 
And this is what he's saying here. Uh, in one word, they were without. Um, the third paragraph or the fourth paragraph, and he said, without Christ. The Ephesians worshipped the goddess Diana, and before coming of the gospel, knew nothing about Christ. Knew nothing about Christ. Those who claim that pagan religions are just acceptable of God as a Christian faith will have a problem here, for Paul cites the Ephesians' Christless estate as a definite tragedy. But then keeping in mind that every unsaved person, Jew or Gentile, is without Christ. And that means condemnation. Dr. Parks is trying to pull us back to the truth of Scripture where our primary focus is to reach the lost. That's the church's primary focus. Along the way, we disciple the believers and go forward, that those disciple believers may do what? Win the loss. Everything we do is to point people to Jesus. Christ's pregnancy, hope, Christian services, all these are meeting physical needs, but they have underlying Christian to reach the loss. If they don't, if they lose focus with that, we need to lose focus with them. But their primary focus is on the, <clears throat> the loss. Then he says, without citizenship, God called the Jews and built them into a nation. You've heard me say this before, that when the Lord created the human family, and at Abram, he gave him a promise. And it was passed down to Isaac and to Jacob and to his twelve sons. And, and the nation of Israel was born. Now why he chose them, you'll have to ask the Lord when you get the glory why that happened. But he, he uses that group of people for a variety of things. Three mainly. To have fellowship with them. He wanted to have fellowship with his highest creation. The next thing, to give a channel that we may have the scripture. Everybody who wrote in scripture was a Jew, save Dr. Luke. <clears throat> and then the biggest thing is, he needed an instrument, a human family, to bring Jesus into the, the world. <clears throat> so, they were without citizenship, he said. Israel was God's nation in a way that was not true of any Gentile nation. He's still God's nation, even today, and God will deal with them in end times. And there's a lot of things we don't know about end times, as I said a while ago, but God is yet to deal with them. Alright, the next point, without covenants. While he blessed the Gentiles as including in God's covenant with Abram, God did not make any covenant with a Gentile nation. The Gentiles were aliens and strangers, and the Jews never let them forget it. Many of the Pharisees would pray daily, Oh God, I give thanks that I'm a Jew and not a Gentile. <laughs> and so you knew where their heart was really, real quick. Without hope, historians, historians tell us that a great cloud of hopelessness covered that ancient world. Philosophies were ancient, empty, traditions were disappointing, religions were powerless to help face either life or death. 
people long to pierce the veil and get some message of hope from the other side. But there was none. In the book of Hebrews, we have insight into one of the big things. The blood sacrifice which Jesus did on, on the cross for our sins and, and He, he uh, fulfilled the Old Testament sacrifice. But the Old Testament sacrifice couldn't do what Jesus did on the cross because the guilt of sin was taken away. That only happened at the cross. In the prior times, every year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would take the blood of bulls and goats. And you remember the scapegoat. We've all talked about scapegoat. It has a, uh, it has a, uh, um, local, <laughs> uh, we use the term, I use the term scapegoat before I even knew what it was, you know. But it's from, it's from scripture. <clears throat> Every year they did it. Every year they did it. Every year they did it. Jesus, once for all, He can remove the guilt of sin. That's one of the big things, and you've heard me say this too, that the devil keeps coming back and he says, you remember, you need to stop right there and say, look, Jesus died for my sins and what I did is under the blood and I'm forgiven and go on. And if you do sin, you need to confess it and get it under the blood. But the big thing about Christianity, it's a, it's a, it's a faith of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth chances. God loves us. He loves us. Okay. Without hope. Without God. The heathen had gods of plenty. Paul discovered them in Athens. Some in that day that were easier to find a god than a man in, in, in Athens. There be... There be God's many and Lord's many, wrote Paul. But the pagan, no matter how religious or moral he might have been, did not know the true writer. And Psalms 115 contrasts them to the true God with idols of heathen. So go back to, to chapter 2 and look at verse 11 one more time, or 12. Remember that you, that is these these, um, these Ephesians, you were. We pick this up. <clears throat> he said, "You were times separated from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope, without God, in the world." So he said. You Gentiles didn't have a hope on this side of the cross. Didn't have a hope. But the cross made all the difference. All the difference. Donnie Rambo wrote a song one time and he says, When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. It's a truth. And it's hard for us to wrap our little finite minds around. But God knew there was coming a time when we would accept Him or reject Him. But He thought about us. And He was. He was. Okay. Now to the Sunday school lesson. Chapter 3.
Yes. Yeah. So you saying on the law side? That's true. They didn't keep the law. They weren't Jews. The Gentiles were, as Paul said, without all these things. But now, and that's where we are. But Paul went to, to the Ephesians and the churches around it. Ephesus, but now you've been brought nigh because of Christ. And, and we, we, we'll talk and we, we will talk and we have talked about that. And Paul's whole thing was uh, you're, not, you're not Jews, you're, you're Gentiles and you're saved. You're saved. That's us. Uh, in, in Scripture, anybody who wasn't a Jew was a Gentile. You know, that it, it, that was that was just how it was. If you weren't if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. In the cons- conservation of time, I've written out some things, but I want to go here. Let's look at the first verse in chapter three, and then go to that last sheet I gave you. <clears throat> Paul says, "For this reason." That little phrase, "for this reason," is ri- is used three times in Ephesians. Therefore, which is another counterpart to that, is used five times. So with this particular sign, he says, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. He says, I, Paul, a prisoner. Now, this letter was written from Rome. Paul was in prison, and we'll see that in just a minute. But I've I've written... I don't know if we've got time to go through all, all this right now, but you can read it when you get home. He, <clears throat> when, in his conversion experience, what you see at the top there, uh, the Lord, let's pick up in verse 13, but uh, Ananias said, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem, and he, here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call upon his name. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to, buy my, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. You're talking about a man with a calling. Paul was called. God had a purpose for him, and he says, I'm gonna, He's going to the Gentiles. And he's going to go to Israel, but he's going to, he's going to show them who I am. Uh, <clears throat> Paul went to Ephesus on his second missionary journey, and he stayed there two years. He stayed in Ephesus longer than he stayed anywhere with the exception of Rome. We don't know really how long he, he stayed in Rome, but we, we know he stayed two plus years in Rome. But he stayed in Ephesus longer than any other place did he win. He, he left Ephesus to go back to Jerusalem. He wanted to go back to Jerusalem because he wanted to go to Rome. But <laughs> he didn't think he'd go in chains, but he did. He went to Rome in chains. And he went there in chains because he upset the Jews. That's the only reason Paul was in prison. Because the the Jews didn't like what he did, and you can see you can read this when you get home. 
and he appeared before Felix and in Acts 24 there he said um, in verse 26 at the same time he, he was hoping that money and skip down to verse 27 but after two years had passed Felix, Felix was succeeded by Festus and wishing to do the Jews a favor Felix left Paul in prison Human nature hadn't changed. Politics is always politics. Are we playing politics with people in prison today? We'll pause now. Verse Acts 26, verse 31. And they had gone aside, they began talking to one another. This is Agrippa and Felix. <clears throat> This man has not done anything worthy of death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to, to Festus, This man might have been set free had he not appealed to Caesar. So when Paul opens up in chapter 3 here, he says, he said, I'm a prisoner, but I'm a prisoner of Jesus. I'm here because Jesus, I'm doing what he told me to do. I'm doing what he told me to do. Verse 2. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace which was given to me for you. And that's, that's the verse in, in Acts when he says, this is your calling. I'm going to put this. I've, this was God's grace which was given to me for you. By the revelation there was made known to me the mystery. As I wrote before in brief, mystery. Right. As I wrote before in brief, turn back to page <clears throat> to page uh, <laughs> to chapter one, verse nine, and he he just really mentions it. Verse eight, he says he talks about God's grace, which He lavished on us and all wisdom and all insight. In verse nine, he said He made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His kind intention which he proposed in him. The mystery into the insights of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has been revealed to the holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. I was thinking, I said, what analogy can I come up with to talk about a mystery that had been hidden for ages Jim, when did you finish medical school? 71. Was anything said about DNA in medical school? Yeah, but they didn't say a lot about it. Cindy, when did you finish medical school? 89. Was a lot said about DNA then? Okay. How long ago? From eons ago? God says, I'm going to make Ben White so unique, I'm going to put a marker in him that will differ him from me and Bob and Cliff. 1953, two guys in a lab in England didn't know what they'd done, but they found 
DNA, this piece of acid that they can un unwind. It's all folded up. They tell us it's about six feet long. That's all I know about it. But it's very unique. Very unique. While we were in Greenville, I was called a jury. It was a murder trial. And the, uh, this little lady from SLED, she was sharp as a tack. And uh, they, uh, this guy had been in this mobile home. He had cut a lady's throat, <laughs> of all things. And, uh, and no evidence, but they went to his house. And they found a pair of tennis shoes. And on the sole of his tennis shoes, around the, where the sole and the, and the shoe meets, Sled took and swabbed that particular little thing and got a little piece of DNA. And it says, I forgot the ratio, so many per million. This guy's, it was the lady's blood. And he had already testified that he had never been in that trailer, didn't know anything about that trailer. And that lady from Sled said, he was there and here's proof. DNA, DNA. Yet, for years, we never knew anything about it. This mystery of God, he says, it's been hid. The insight into the mystery of Christ, which other generations had not made known to the sons of men, has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. So he said... <clears throat> On this side of the law, they said just keeping our cross it, the law was just keeping the law. But the mystery was that grace was coming. Whosoever will may come. And the church age was there on this side of the cross. And Paul says, the Lord allowed me to show you this mystery. And in verse 6, my first few verses, words in verse 6 says, to be specific, what does yours say? Anybody read the first few verses of verse 6? This mystery is a through the gospel of the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Okay, this mystery. That's what. Does anybody have anything else but mystery? I'm in Ephesians, third chapter, verse 6. Okay. Okay. All right. So, verse six, he says, he says the mystery, or to be specific, this is what we're talking about. The Gentiles, number one, are fellow heirs. Number one, we're fellow heirs. Number two, we're fellow members of the body. Number three, we're fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So for the things that he said back in chapter uh, chapter two in verse twelve, he said they were separated from God. 
He says, now, you're partakers because of the promise of Jesus. You had no covenant, and yet you're fellow members of the body and the fellowship, and you're, you're heirs. You're heirs. Paul has used the term, and we've used the term as Abba Father, Daddy. It's the most endearing name, you know, any man can be called. Daddy. Daddy. Jesus is our big brother. And that makes all the difference in the world. It was a mystery before. We weren't Jews. We had no hope. But Paul said, I've come to bring you this news. I want you to really understand it. Really understand the good news that we got. So he goes on here. Verse 7. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace which was given to me according to the work of His power. To me the very least of all the saints grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring the light which is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. I suppose one of the big things that hit me this week is as children of the Lord, of fellow heirs of the promise, of Jesus being my big brother, I'm living way below my privilege. Way below my privilege. We have access to everything. And yet I wondered why. Why am I living way below my business? And I come back and I said, well, life gets in the way. Well, why do I let life get in the way? Why am I more concerned about Monday morning than my walk with the Lord? Why am I more concerned about the hot water heater or the or the problems we have at home? You know, the washing machine doesn't work. What was it, Pat, this week? Ice maker. Ice maker overflow. Why are we more concerned about that sometimes than our walk with the Lord? Do we really, really understand the privilege we got? as being fellow heirs with Christ in everything. Paul wanted the Ephesians so to understand because they had been, he'd been hearing some good things from them, but he also wanted to be sure and, and encourage them in the faith that, that uh, hey, this is where we are. <clears throat> Have you ever gotten a phone call from somebody, a family member or a friend, 
And he says, I'm in trouble. I'm hurting. I don't know where to go. Can you pray for me? I don't know what to do. We've all been there at one time or another where we, we simply need somebody to come alongside and says, God and Jesus is bigger than what you've got. And we need to remember that and we need to encourage one another. That's why you come to Sunday school. You come to Sunday school so you can rub shoulders with these people who love you. This is loving, caring Christ. I, I'm encouraged when I see you. I'm encouraged while you're here. I'll think about you all week. Some of you I call and some of you I don't call. <laughs> but <clears throat> I'll think about you. About what's going to happen today. So, if I could leave with you anything today, I'd like to go back to verse 6. That as we are now, we're heirs, we're members of the body, partakers of the promise, which is in Jesus, in His gospel. It's all about Jesus. From the very beginning of Scripture, all the way through. And what Paul wanted the, the Ephesians to understand, it wasn't where they came from. It wasn't what they'd put up with before. But it's where they were now. For it was by what? It was by grace. He says it's by grace that you're saved. By grace. Nothing you could do, nothing you have done, but it always is by grace. Well, we'll pick up here next week and we'll see uh, what else Paul has got for us. Uh, read that scripture if you want to do a little bit more research and uh, we'll continue here next week. Any questions? Any additions? Jack? I've often wondered about DNA all... Descendants of Noah. True. So there's a lot more to DNA than we know. Or at least I know. I know nothing about it. Yeah. But I've often wondered uh, how, how this thing is structured so that I'm different from you. Yeah. You're we, different from Cliff. That's right. Cliff's different from me. When we were kids, what what was our answer to something like that when we didn't know a mystery? It's magic. <laughs> but this this time, it's it's all about God. It's all about God. Our Mormon friends, you know, they're big gene, genealogy buffs, and they own Ancestry dot com, by the way. But you probably know that. But if you'll send a DNA swab to them and they've got a kit. They'll chase your, trace your DNA back as far as they can go with them. Ireland, Scotland, wherever, you know, and they says, well, you're, you're this. And uh, I don't know about all that. I'm not concerned too much about that. Uh, but it's, it's, a, it's available. What, 
But it was His. God did it from the very foundation of the world. And yet, it's taken us all this time. And uh, it's, I think, probably the biggest uh, thing is now is in the forensics, but uh, the Genome Project, if I'm pronouncing that correct, where they're identifying all the genes, it has a big role to play in that. And maybe someday it'll come to another thing. God is big. And he's great. He's great. Father, we thank you for all you are, for your love for us. We thank you that Scripture is true. We thank you that a long time ago you put in the hearts of Paul, of Paul to write. Thank you, Lord, that you preserved the Scriptures and we can hold it in our hands. Thank you that everything that we uh, need to do, we need to point men and women, boys and girls, to Jesus. Thank you for the working witness in this place. We ask that you bless these sweet folks as they go from here. Uh, be with Dr. Parks as he preaches again. Bless him. May we have hearts to hear and ears to hear what he has to say. And we'll be careful to give you the praise for everything that's said and done. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. <laughs>